98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Activist Tam Tuck Chi is denied bail after appearing in court charged with chanting seditious slogans, including five demands, not one less. Hong Kong's gathering limit will be relaxed from Friday and more businesses will be allowed to reopen. And officials hold talks about creating pandemic-era travel bubbles with 11 countries in Asia and Europe. A court has heard that seditious words allegedly uttered by People Power's Tam Tak Chi include the popular protest slogans Liberate Hong Kong and Five Demands Not One Less. As Timmy Sung reports, the activist was denied bail after he appeared at Fanling Magistracy. The People Power Vice Chairman has been charged with five counts of uttering seditious words. Prosecutors said his speeches Tam Tak Chi gave at street booths in Yao Tao Kok, Wong Tai Sin, Kun Tong and Lam Tin between March and July were intended to bring hatred or contempt against the government and raise discontent or disaffection among Hong Kongers. Citing videos from Mr. Tam's social media, the prosecution said the defendant had chanted slogans such as Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, and Five Demands Not One Less, as well as anti-police slogans such as Bart Corps, Hope All Your Family Members Die, and July 21st, Nowhere to Be Seen, August 31st, Beat People to Death, when he appeared at the street booths. Tam also faces an additional charge of disorderly conduct. The prosecution requested the court to combine all those charges with a protest-related case Ms. Tam is also facing, but that was rejected by the magistrate. Both cases have been adjourned to November the 17th. Hong Kong's gathering limit will be raised from two people to four from Friday. With the coronavirus situation improving recently, the government is also relaxing various other measures, as Francis Sit reports. While mask wearing in public places and on public transport will still be required, the maximum number of people allowed to gather will rise from two to four, with the same increase for how many can sit together in a restaurant. More entertainment venues will be allowed to reopen, such as video arcades, skating rings and mahjong parlors. And the same goes for sports venues, except swimming pools. Performance venues can reopen, but not to audiences, and most museums can welcome visitors again, as long as they run at no more than half of their capacity. However, bars, saunas, karaoke's and party rooms will have to remain closed. Health Secretary Sophia Chan explains why some establishments are being allowed to reopen sooner than others. Not only are we considering the epidemic situation, we are also considering the necessity of the activity, whether they are essential to uh, daily lives, and also the infection risk that can be substantially reduced by enhancing disease prevention and control measures. But the minister says some places still closed might be able to reopen from Friday next week if there aren't any drastic changes to the coronavirus situation. Meanwhile, Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development Edward Yao says officials have been in discussions with 11 countries about setting up travel bubbles. He says they include Singapore, Japan, Thailand, Malaysia and Vietnam in Asia and Germany, France and Switzerland in Europe. He was asked whether there's any timetable for the relaxation of travel restrictions. Of course, the timetable would be a matter of bilateral agreement between Hong Kong and the partnering country. It all depends on how ready and how comfortable both parties are with the situation. The question of how ready is, it also uh, is a matter of whether we can agree on the protocol. 
I mentioned about the essential feature in that protocol, which include pre-boarding tests, which must be mutually recognized uh, by the respective uh, sort of health authorities. I mentioned about the double insurance by having uh, upon arrival port health checking. The president of the Travel Owners Association, Freddie Yip, says he thinks setting up travel bubbles will help boost the hard-hit industry and he hopes the government can roll out the scheme as soon as possible. The past black cost that more than 2 million Hong Kong people travel to Japan, Taiwan and Thailand alone. That is a very big number. They, uh, they, they, they like to travel to go in to these countries. So after the travel bubble built up, I don't think a lot of people were going out and coming in. I, I, I expect if we can have 50%, 50% of the past number, I will be very, very happy. You're listening to RTHK. The time is now exactly five minutes past 11. Some bus drivers have taken part in a work-to-rule campaign over the arrest of a New World First bus driver during a police operation in Mong Kok on Sunday. Joanne Wong has more. The New World First Bus Staff Union is appealing for patience from passengers. It says some drivers will drive at a safe speed, especially given the wet weather, to avoid what it called dangerous driving accusations from the police. Their comment came after a New World First Bus driver was arrested on Sunday during an anti-government protest in Mong Kok for alleged dangerous driving and for possessing a spanner, which the police deemed to be an offensive weapon. Speaking on an RTHK program, the head of the union, Lam Kam Pew, said even traffic officers should be aware that drivers carry spanners for rear-view mirror adjustment. A bus driver of 20 years echoed that view, saying they usually have a spanner to adjust the mirrors on the different vehicles they drive. He told RTHK that he'll now drive his vehicle to the terminus if there's anything wrong with his mirror. At a bus stop in Sao Mao Ping during rush hour, one commuter told RTHK that he felt his wait was 10 minutes longer than usual, but he added he supported the drivers. Drivers from other bus firms were also responding to the campaign. The Staff Rights Association of KMB has advised drivers to drive at a safe speed and to make sure they keep an eight-second gap with other vehicles. They've also been told to only allow passengers to board when they arrive exactly at the bus stop. And when rear-view mirrors aren't in the right position, the union says the drivers should wait for an engineer. A former primary school teacher has been sentenced to nine weeks in prison after he was found guilty of assaulting a police officer last November. Young Pok Man, who's 29, has been released on bail pending an appeal. Jimmy Choi reports. Fangling Magistrates Court heard that Young need an officer in the stomach when he was stopped in Shenzhou on November the 11th last year for driving his car too slowly. There had been online calls for road blockades that day, and protests took place across Hong Kong. In mitigation, the defendant's lawyer said Young had been laid off by the primary school where he worked. The lawyer said the headmaster there described his client as a passionate teacher who had been helpful to his students. But Magistrate Debbie Ng said assaulting the police is a serious offence, and the court had to send a message to the public that officers carrying out their duties must be protected. Ms Ng said she had considered over and over again whether to send Young to prison, taking into account that his parents both have chronic illnesses and that he is a pillar of his family. But she said Young had not shown any remorse. 
It was back in June that the defendant was found guilty, and the magistrate sent him to Sulam Psychiatric Centre pending sentencing, saying she was concerned he may have a personality disorder. But he was only there a week before the High Court ordered that he be released. The judiciary says the appointment of a magistrate who had come under fire from pro-establishment figures to an administrative position at the High Court has nothing to do with recent complaints made about him. Richard Pine has details. The judiciary says Eastern Court Magistrate Stanley Ho was appointed to the position of temporary deputy registrar of the High Court on July the 31st. The job involves assisting the criminal listing judge in listing and procedural matters of criminal cases. The judiciary says the transfer was made for normal operational purposes. The magistrate had come under fire from pro-establishment figures who accused him of bias in handling protest-related cases, including one in which he slammed police officers for telling lie after lie as he acquitted a district councillor accused of assaulting them. The judiciary says it's received a large number of complaints of a similar or identical nature against Magistrate Ho and they were being handled. It says it won't comment on bear assertions that cases have been handled in the courts by judges with political considerations in mind. Judicial decisions can be appealed, it says, and any complaint should be made through the proper channels. Police have reported a sharp jump in online scams in the first half of the year, which they partly attribute to people spending more time at home because of the coronavirus pandemic. Timmy Song has details. There were about 4,000 cases related to online shopping scams in the first half of the year, a 270% increase compared with the same period last year. Half of the cases involved face masks, with victims reporting a total loss of $70 million. Superintendent Terry Jang from the Cybersecurity and Technology Crime Bureau said cases had now decreased as people became more cautious and the supply of face masks increased. Blackmail over online naked chats also increased by more than 100%, with 200 cases. Almost all the victims were men, with the youngest only 12 years old. They were reported to have lost about $1.3 million. As for online romance scams, police reported almost 430 cases, involving losses amounting to nearly $200 million. Detectives said many of the suspects were overseas, which made investigations difficult. He also said victims were not aware of the importance of keeping evidence. Health authorities have reported just three new locally acquired COVID-19 cases, the fewest number since early July. Two of the cases are linked to previously confirmed infections, one identified through the government's community testing program and the other a cleaner linked to a cluster of infections at a Taiwai industrial building. Dr Trung Shuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says the cleaner worked on all floors of the building and has been in quarantine since September the 6th. We don't know whether there's anything happened before she was admitted to the quarantine center. So that's why we test all the, the tenants of the whole building. We give out more than 400 different saliva bottles for them to test and we'll collect them in these two days. We have identified 25 close contacts in the sixth floor and we'll send them to quarantine center. Dr Truong was asked for her opinion on whether it's appropriate for the government to relax some social distancing measures or whether this could lead to a rebound in cases. I think any social activity, any social gathering may lead to rebound if we are not careful enough and to maintain a certain extent of social distancing and hygiene and, and mask. I understand the recent relaxation are more on some activities that you can do it with masks on. 
Hong Kong has also recorded another three infections linked to overseas travel involving a seafarer from Ukraine and two women from the Philippines. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has brushed aside a new wave of criticism over alleged aggressive policing, saying it's not her place to offer an opinion on operational matters. Reporters asked Mrs Lam what she thought about police chasing a 12-year-old girl and pinning her to the ground in Mong Kok on Sunday, and a bus driver being arrested after allegedly honking his horn at officers. But she said it wouldn't be right for her to give her views, and if anyone is unhappy with what goes on, they can file a complaint. Meanwhile, the CE says her administration can't intervene in the case of 12 Hong Kong people detained after being intercepted by the Guangdong Coast Guard. The 12, including activist Andy Lee, are believed to have been trying to flee to Taiwan by speedboat when they were caught and taken to the mainland. There are reports that at least some of them have been denied access to their lawyers. Mrs Lam had this to say when she was asked how the Hong Kong government is helping those being held. If these Hong Kong residents were arrested for bridging mainland offences, then they have to be dealt with according to the mainland laws in accordance with the jurisdiction before any other things could happen. I think the police have also notified the families of some of these residents. We have an office in uh, Guangzhou, and Guangzhou office will also be liaising with the relevant authorities to see what sort of assistance we should render to these Hong Kong residents. Before going into this week's Executive Council meeting, Mrs Lam also rejected claims that she's trying to interfere with judicial independence by saying there's no separation of powers in Hong Kong. She said some people are just trying to create conflict by playing up what is a simple issue. Wendy Wong has the details. Carrie Lam said a misunderstanding and controversy surrounding Hong Kong's constitutional system, which she described as a seemingly simple matter, was probably caused by a lack of public education. She said such education should start at schools. She said after recent debates, the truth was more clear that Hong Kong had an executive-led system and she hoped the matter wouldn't be sensationalised again. She said although Hong Kong was executive-led, it didn't mean the CE would interfere with judicial independence but in fact had the responsibility to ensure no interference in the courts. She noted controversy over recent court rulings but called on the public to respect them and said officials refrained from commenting whenever a case was in the judicial process. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Activist Tam Tak Chi is denied bail after appearing in court charged with chanting seditious slogans including five demands, not one less. Hong Kong's gathering limit will be relaxed from Friday and more businesses will be allowed to reopen. And officials hold talks about creating pandemic-era travel bubbles with 11 countries in Asia and Europe. The news from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Hong Kong's gathering limit will be raised from two people to four from Friday and most entertainment venues such as video arcades, sports venues and mahjong parlours can reopen. But bars, saunas, karaoke's and party rooms have to stay closed for at least one more week. The government says it's time to let life gradually resume to normal as the pandemic situation eases. But catering sector lawmaker Tommy Chung told RTHK's Jim Gould he still thinks the administration is being too conservative. I honestly actually believe uh, we should have done that. 
two weeks ago because I don't see uh, the risk involved uh, from two to four people. I still don't believe uh, that um, that will be that much risk. It won't double up the risk, put it this way. Um, so I'm at least happy that they are doing it. I'm just hoping that in the future, um, when they put these measures in, uh, that they will not do anything strange, more stringent than four and allowing us to do it from breakfast to uh, dinner time. But my disappointment is that I still have three scheduled um, um, businesses, the karaoke, the nightclubs and the bars uh, that are still not uh, uh, not be able to uh, start doing business this coming week. Um, this is uh, my probably my biggest disappointment because I was expecting um, that they should allow uh, these premises to uh, be back in business. Because most restaurants uh, seem to be very well prepared and experienced now in dealing with this COVID situation and the number of new infections is coming right down. Uh, so you think we could be opening up a bit faster? Yes. In fact, not only that, uh, because a lot of the listeners may not uh, uh, know that, in fact, we have met with the uh, chief secretary, uh, all the three uh, sectors, and in fact, all the restaurateurs. In fact, we're proposing that we can do a few more things, you know, to help uh, contain the risk by opening up. Like uh, we will boil our utensils, you know, and even I have bound to say, if it need to be, I will use uh, the, um, dispensable uh, glasses, you know, uh, where I won't be washing it. I just use paper cups, you know. Uh, if they allow us to go back to business, we're talking about using electronic money, no cash. We're talking about completely enforcing that uh, customers, when they are not eating or drinking, even if they have like half a glass there, but we will be politely asking them to wear the mask when they converse. And not only that, we are proposing um, that if they're worried about people staying too long at night, we are proposing that we would limit uh, the patronage to two hours. Okay, if customers come in, they order at uh, 7.05, then uh, we would expect them to be leaving the premise by 9.05. So, and also if they want, you know, if we don't have enough air change uh, built in into our bars and uh, nightclubs, we are saying, okay, on karaoke, we would be... Uh, uh, getting air uh, purifiers uh, to help out. So actually all these measures we are proposing that we are willing to do it voluntarily um, to help the government um, to contain the virus if they let us open up. You mentioned about bars and karaoke's having to remain closed for now, but the health secretary has said the restrictions may be further relaxed next week. So what would you hope to see then? I Obviously, I will be seeing these uh, karaoke's, bars and nightclubs. Uh, tomorrow we will have a, a signature kind of... Uh, um, they will be writing to the chief secretary again, also to the secretary. Um, to explain the extra measures we are willing to undertake and to ask them to please 
they're just open for business. So for now, how much of a positive effect will this uh, partial relaxation have on the restaurant business at least? Quite a bit. You'll be surprised. Uh, two people, we cannot survive. But uh, the last uh, month, I have gone through to different sectors. Uh, they're all telling me that if the government allow them to do for a table, even though only half the capacity, one and a half meters, blah, 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 uh, wearing masks, you know, taking temperatures and all that, we're all willing to do. For four people, if the government allows us to do four people, we can survive. The last two journalists working for Australian media in mainland China have flown home after a five-day diplomatic standoff during which police demanded to interview them. Australian Broadcasting Corporation's Bill Bertels and the Australian Financial Review's Mike Smith were questioned separately by the mainland's Ministry of State Security before they were allowed to leave. Our Australian correspondent Jerry Gannon told Anna-Marie Evans this is the first time in 47 years that no Australian reporters are working on the mainland. Given that uh, China is our... Uh a major trading partner and in fact a major source of income for uh, Australia and this uh, this is indeed a, a bit of a blow that uh, relations have broken down on the, on the media side of things uh, it's not um, it, it, it's not uh, unprecedented there have been you know bits of fractious dealings uh, in the past but this is actually quite serious where we have no rep there uh, right now um, but the Australia China trade relationship is becoming uh, a bit politicized. Uh, we've become uh, exposed to uh, Chinese coercion as a result of uh, a high proportion of its exports being sold to China. Our agricultural exports remain steady year on year for the first six months, but there have been some hiccups uh, as uh, some of our products, uh, our agricultural products have been uh, denied access to the uh, to the, to the market in China. Now, whether or not this has got anything to do with it, we, we're, not, we're not sure. Uh, but the other issue is the Chinese uh, broadcaster, uh, uh, Australian, Cheng Li, who works for Chinese state media. She hasn't been seen or heard of since August 14th. Um, she was um, uh, she was mentioned in the interview with Bill Bertels when he uh, was interrogated by, or interviewed, I should say, uh, by Chinese officials. Um, he was asked about it. Um, Bill said he knew of her, he had met her, but he didn't know much about her. That's about uh, that's about all he could he could say on that on that regard. Now, I mean, Australia has been quite outspoken. It was asking for an inquiry into you know how COVID uh, broke out. In in uh, China. It's also been um, outspoken on Xinjiang, also Hong Kong. So um, in terms of these two men, uh, do you think that there is uh, an, any kind of journalistic issue at the centre of this or that they are they happen to be Australian? Well, they're both high-profile Australians. One writes for uh, the finance newspaper and the other writes for the national uh, reports for the national broadcaster. If you want to make a statement, uh, you couldn't have picked two better examples uh, in which to, uh, you know, create a bit of a, bit of a stir. So um, the, the relationship right now is a bit fractious between China and Australia. I think uh, China, um, Australian officials are doing their best to make things as smooth as, as possible. Um, but, um, you know, nonetheless, uh, we, we still have 
a lot of issues to work through before normal service could be resumed, if I can use a broadcasting term. Now, in terms of Chung Lei, I mean, what's being done in Australia? Well, not a lot, to be honest. Um, I believe that behind the scenes where most of these um, uh, actions take place, but nothing much has been heard of her with not a lot is known about actually where she is at the moment. She's got children in Australia, so that's a concern to her family here. Uh, but I think it's a question of quiet diplomacy by uh, the Australian government in an effort to uh, find out what's behind it. Now, she had a very high-profile job in uh, in china um she she worked for uh, a prominent uh, chinese uh, television company and um, but she also uh, i believe had a um, an online presence in which she talked more about australia's relationship with china than she did and it and apparently i haven't seen it but apparently it was not exactly what you call uh, in glowing terms so perhaps she was a bit overly critical on her online work in terms of uh, uh, of what she had to say rather than what she said on, on Chinese state media. Uh, she worked for a company since 2013. She's worked for GGTN News uh, in, in Shanghai. Or not Shanghai, Beijing, actually. Talks on a trade deal between the EU and Britain are resuming in London amid concerns over plans by the UK government to introduce legislation overriding a key part of the existing Brexit withdrawal agreement. The bill appears to contradict a key protocol agreed with the EU concerning Northern Ireland, under which it retains some of the EU's customs rules to ensure that there's no hard border with the Republic of Ireland. Mike Weeks asked London-based correspondent Gavin Gray whether Ireland's trade minister, Leo Varadkar, is right to be concerned about the UK's intentions. Well, I think he is. I think a lot of the European leaders are feeling the same way. However, we're used to seeing a little bit of brinkmanship from both sides, and as we enter what's uh, being tabled as the final round of talks, that saber-rattling, that brinkmanship is being ratcheted up, I think, uh, and uh, there's lots of finger-pointing going on. But so far, uh, Boris Johnson, having spoken with uh, Emmanuel Macron, the French president, uh, it would appear that the, the, the things are reasonably calm, I would suggest, Though so this has taken everyone by surprise. We don't know the detail of what the uh, proposed changes are. We won't know that for another uh, 36 hours. But these negotiations restart in just a few hours' time. And Lord Frost, he's the chief Brexit negotiator, has in the last few minutes called for realism from his EU counterparts ahead of the next round of trade talks. But some sort of removal of internal customs checks surely must mean there has to be a hard Irish border. Uh, and that is, of course, what they are fearing in Ireland. You heard Leo Varekka there. Exactly with that, there are fears that, uh, of course, it could lead to a breakout of violence because so much of uh, uh, the, the hard border was behind the uh, ongoing IRA and... Uh, uh, campaigns that led to so much terrorism over the 70s and 80s and 90s. So um, there is a lot at stake here. Now, it is interesting that the government spokesperson said that they were looking at major parts of the withdrawal agreement that Boris Johnson had signed up to uh, earlier uh, last year. And uh, yet then we had a ratcheting down saying, no, 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 it's only the details that are being tinkered with. And so there seems to be a sort of rowing back on that original statement. And again, that gives you the impression that perhaps this is a little bit of brinkmanship going on. But if it is brinkmanship, then I'm afraid some critics are saying 
this could be seen as a deliberate scuppering of trying to get a deal. In other words, Boris Johnson now almost demanding a no deal. And let's face it, to get a deal, both sides are going to need trust. Uh, and according to uh, leaked cables that have gone to the Guardian newspaper and are appearing in the headlines in just a few hours' time, uh, those cables are uh, pretty damaging, showing that actually they do suspect Boris Johnson has alternative proposals that, that uh, are in some way going to blame the EU for a lack of a deal. They're trying to divide the EU leaders uh, and effectively trying to uh, uh, get the press here in the UK to put a huge amount of pressure on uh, Brussels and on the EU, accusing them of intransigence ahead of the last round of talks. And the Prime Minister also now seems to have set a new deadline for concluding a trade deal with Europe. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And it's quite interesting because all the way through we've had different deadlines. Boris Johnson saying he won't extend this transition period beyond December. Then the European Union saying, well, we need to have something in place by October. And that's because it will have to go to all the different nation states to ratify. It's to be ready by December. Then Boris Johnson said, and if we don't have the makings of a deal in July, we might as well pack up and go away. Well, they've carried on talking. But now, he says, uh, the UK will walk away from the talks if a deal isn't done by the 15th of October. So now Boris Johnson putting his own deadline in there, and that bound to uh, ratchet up tensions ahead of this latest round of talks. Boris Johnson says that we can still go for an agreement. He says he still wants a trade deal. But actually, he's saying, you know what? If we do walk away without one, that could be a good thing, too. And many, many Remainers are really concerned at language like that. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Applications for the second tranche of the Employment Support Scheme can be made from August 31st to September 13th. All subsidies must be used for paying wages. No redundancies can be made during the subsidy period. MPF contributing employers with accounts before the end of March, regardless of whether they applied for the first tranche, and persons with MPF self-employed person accounts set up before the end of March, who have not yet received the subsidy, are eligible to apply online. Employment Support Scheme. Tied over the hard times. For details, visit ess.gov.hk. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. 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 Oh yes, this is it. Moments to remember that we love and treasure the rest of our lives.
Well, I'm sure you're familiar with that song. You must have seen the film as well. Three Coins in the Fountain. Johnny Pearson and his orchestra. Let's say hello to Jim Reeves. Welcome to my world. Won't you come on in? Miracles, I guess, still happen now and then. Step into my heart. 